what does that mean for art? Well, you have all these amazing tools at your fingertips and you can create these really interesting experiences with this technology and you can provide a new experience to your viewers. So you might create a physical installation, but you could create a digital experience that accompanies that. This is Art Is, a podcast for artists, where we brainstorm the future of the art world and the creative industries. Today, I'm sharing part one of my conversation with Jonathan Jurwa. Jonathan is a senior manager of developer relations at TechSoft 3D and has 25 years of experience in the software development industry. I was really excited to talk to Jonathan because as an engineer, he could really speak to the emergence of so many of the technologies we have been dissecting and discussing throughout season three of Art Is. Jonathan provided a lot of context into the use cases of slightly older innovations like 3D printing, along with newer ones like open metaverses. I found it really intriguing to contextualize how these technologies are being used in other industries like architecture and construction or aeronautical engineering in order for us to better visualize their current and future use cases in the art world and creative industries. Jonathan had tons of awesome ideas around the increasing role of blended digital and physical experiences and the development of digital assets associated with physical objects, speaking to our larger interest in understanding the creative implications of the emerging Web3 ecosystem. I really learned a lot speaking with Jonathan, and I especially enjoyed his technical perspective, so I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Also, I would love it if you took a moment to leave Art Is a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find us. My name is Jonathan Jurwa, and I am Senior Tech Marketing Manager here at TechSoft 3D and the Chief uh, Technology Evangelist as well. And a little bit of my background, I've grown up around science and technology and, and from a very young age had an interest in computer graphics back in the 80s, was interested in the Apple IIe computer, one of the first personal computers, and was introduced to, to graphics through that. And then all through my primary education and into university, I focused on, on things that were tangible, at least visual, has always really interested me and um, focused on computer graphics. And now through my, through my professional career, have always done 3D graphics in one way or another never in video games or entertainment. First in science and technology, we helped visualize 3D structures using microscopes. So that was a, a real interesting place where we were helping people see neurons and pancreatic cells and cells dividing and doing research there. And now for the last 14 years, I've been working at TechSoft 3D and we provide a, a suite of different tools in 3D graphics for 3D engineering and building and construction. So anything that's 3D, that's not media, entertainment, and games, we're supporting companies to create compelling software to create the, the built world. So it could be building engines or planes and trains or buildings or coffee mugs. So anything that's 3D is something that we're providing technology in that space. I think it's interesting that perhaps the overlap between our two worlds might not be so obvious at the beginning. But throughout this third season, we've really been interested in looking at the overlap of art and tech, really investigating how emerging artists can leverage innovation and technology and utilize tech tools to accelerate professionally and creatively. 
So maybe just to zoom out a bit, what do you think are the main tech developments that are happening in our world right now that you find particularly interesting and that perhaps you might see some crossover with the creative industries? Throughout history, there's been improvements, developments in textiles and chemistry. And so as new formulation of, let's say, paints or techniques of building things, uh, I know you're in sculpture, that's all kind of a certain type of technology that has emerged in society, metallurgy. And now we have electronic art, right? So that's been around for a while in digital art. And as our technological world continues to innovate, there's new mediums for us to be working in. And so we've seen a real coming of age of different types of technology. I think a, a mature technology right now is 3D printing. So that's something that probably in the last decade has been perfected in a, a way where I can have a 3D printer on my desktop for a low price point and be able to create using that. So 3D printers, just to talk a little bit about those, they allow you to create 3D structures out of different materials. And just like a printer will deposit ink or use a laser to somehow deposit material on a piece of paper, these 3D printers deposit many times plastic or a composite. And layer by layer, it can build up a 3D object. And this was done for industry so they could print prototypes, but a lot of artists have taken that and have been creating and selling their wares on digital marketplaces, figurines and utilitarian objects, and also creative works, beautiful creative works out of, it could be out of um, plastic. Uh, the technology has advanced where you can, at a cost, create things out of metal so they're more enduring, but you can create things here that elsewhere you, you can't sculpt, you can't forge, uh, you can't weld. And the intricacy is amazing. And then the structures that you're able to create can be really beautiful. Um, repeating lattice works and attention to detail. People, in fact, are using computers to generate some of, of these sculptures in a, say, a programmatic way. So repetitive way or even an or organic way using an algorithm. So that's something that we're, we're seeing. And that's a mature technology. So it's something that I can buy online sometimes even go to a store and buy off the shelf. And we're seeing that's something that, that really is being part of our mainstream community. Something a little bit newer is you've probably heard quite a bit as of late, let's say the last few months, this idea of the metaverse, which is being driven by a lot of different companies. Facebook rebranded as Meta to, to start building digital worlds and change their focus and Microsoft bought a gaming company to try to build digital worlds as well. This can include virtual reality and augmented reality, but the metaverse I think is, is emerging. I haven't quite figured out what it is and, and how we're going to use it, how we're, how we're going to live in it, at least from you know, my primary focus is around industry and technology. And if we haven't figured out how to do that, a lot of people are experimenting with it, creating course, digital worlds or digital, you know, virtual art, but we're, I think there's a, a long way to go there, but it's exciting to see that. And again, it's, it's coming down to a price point where, um, it's more accessible to people and the, the variety of tools that we have to create in these digital worlds, these virtual worlds is also increasing. So I do hope that we see an awful lot of innovation in this space. That's so interesting. Just out of curiosity. Like, what is the use case of the metaverse for 
engineering and like tech products that you guys work on? So I have to back up just a second and define the metaverse. And that's whenever you talk about it, you ask many times people will ask, what does the metaverse mean to you or in your space? I, I view the metaverse as a, a digital world or a digital representation of something. And there can be connectors so I can exist in this digital world. It could be just on my screen. It could be just on my phone. It could be 3D. It could just be information. But now with augmented and virtual reality headsets, you can jump into that world a little bit more. And because of connectivity of the internet, we can coexist maybe in that digital world. So it could be through a, a role-playing game or a digital world like Second Life. It could be Roblox or Fortnite where we all exist in this space. Or it could be fully immersive with a VR headset where now I'm stepping into this digital world and interacting with people. For engineering, we've been dealing with digital worlds for decades. From the invention of CAD, you create a digital representation of something, and then you go off and you build it or you manufacture it. And so there's always this digital representation on someone's desktop in a CAD file, like a plan layout for a building or a 3D model of something that I'm going to manufacture. But it's primarily focused on just one part. And so now we're seeing all of those parts coming together or instead of representing just a machine, we're representing the machine in the factory. And we're able to experience that maybe on my screen, or I could experience it with a VR headset and really place myself in there. So for me, the metaverse really is a combination of all of that, is taking all of our digital information, bringing it together, and then interacting with it, maybe uh, as an individual or in a collected environment with multiple people interacting and seeing the same thing. So back to your question, how are we seeing the metaverse or let's say digital worlds being used in an innovative way today? Let's say everybody has, or many engineers are very familiar with CAD and using that, but how do we bring that together and, and utilize it, especially with this, these new technologies like AR and VR headsets or AR on your phone, which many of us are familiar with, maybe a shopping experience placing a, a couch in my living room and visualizing it on my phone in, in an AR context. Engineering teams, before they go and build a car, which is especially a prototype car, which is an expensive and labor-intensive endeavor, if we have all of that design information on our computers in a digital format, before we go off and build, build a physical thing, we can review the design with a, let's say, a VR headset. So we can immerse ourselves in that design and review it, say, oh, this doesn't aesthetically look well, or more importantly, this doesn't work ergonomically. If I place myself in this car and I am trying to reach or look behind me, what's my experience looking over my shoulder? And so we're able to do design review, which is a very important part of the engineering process virtually before we go and build it. Same. I, with building anything. So you can experience, before I go and build this huge structure, an artistic structure, an installation, I can model it in my, say, engineering CAD package and experience it before I go off and spend all of the time and energy building this. And so you can refine the experience prior to going off and building this. It saves time and money. Many engineering teams are dispersed throughout the country or the world. And so allowing them to collaborate digitally, 
That's another use case that we're seeing more and more of. Instead of having to bring clients to a particular location, you can give them that experience and do that design review or that collaboration as well. Another use case that we're seeing quite a bit is once the product is built, providing real-time and, and useful context for maintenance. I remember working on, let's say my car, trying to replace a part under the hood and I have my manual and I'm looking at the picture in my manual and I'm looking at what's underneath the hood and I'm like, this does not match. So now we can represent what's been made digitally on, let's say a tablet, allow a pass through of uh, a video feed. We can align what is the digital, let's say, picture with what's being seen by the camera on a tablet or a phone, and then provide extremely accurate contextual information about replacing a part. It can show a disassembly. It can show this registration, and it makes it much easier to do maintenance, to do troubleshooting. And when we talk about the metaverse, not just for me, looking at not my manual, but just take my tablet, take a picture of my, my car and or piece of machinery in a factory. I can then have an expert. Maybe I'm not an expert. I'm not a mechanic, but somebody could then call in and see what I'm seeing and annotate in real time on my tablet. This is what you need to do. And so we also allow for remote troubleshooting and assistance. We're seeing that today. What does that mean for art? Well, you have all these amazing tools at your fingertips and you can create these really interesting experiences with this technology and you can provide a new experience to your viewers. So you might create a physical installation, but you could create a digital experience that accompanies that. And so we see at Disney World, there's a physical experience of um, going on the Star Wars rides, but there's also this digital experience that's been created and curated for you as you're waiting in line. A lot of the installations, art installations too, are seeing these kind of blend of the actual experience and digital information being overlaid with it. So it could be a digital tour, contextual information, or just a full experience that's been curated for you that you experience in real life and then also in this virtual world. Is that what you mean when you say like digital twin, like a digital copy of a physical? Yeah. So in, in our space and particularly mechanical engineering, and also building and construction. Digital twin is a buzzword. People are talking about it at conferences. And if you use it in your marketing, it's really attractive. The digital twin is uh, a copy of what's been built. So let's say I build, let's say I build an office building. Initially before it's built, I have to draft it using electronic software drafting software, maybe AutoCAD or the 3D equivalent, more um, relevant now is Revit is a 3D owned by the same company, but a 3D drafting tool. So I have a, a digital copy now of the building and I go and build it. That digital twin, the digital copy, when we deliver the, the physical building, we also deliver the digital asset associated with it and it becomes the digital twin of what's been built. And that twin, where does it live? It might live on somebody's computer. It might live up on the cloud. Its definition is kind of loose, but it is a representation of what's been built. What's more important is the ability to go and edit that as things change. Let's say as you remodel, good example, 
Uh, but more importantly, that digital twin, let's say it has that file. Not only does it have all the floors and all the walls and all the windows and all the doors, but it, it has all the plumbing and all of the electrical conduit and all of the heating, ventilation, and air conditioning equipment. That equipment needs to be maintained. It may need to be replaced. There may be a maintenance plan with it. And so that file or whatever that digital twin, however it exists, could be a database, could be an Excel sheet, but it's more mature now. They, they have databases and 3D viewers and whatnot. Um, that maintenance information gets updated. And so now if I built two identical buildings that, and delivered them to different clients, you may have two buildings with the same digital file originally, they'll change differently over time, they'll diverge. And so that digital twin kind of follows that building as time goes on. So you have a, an exact representation of what's going on. So maybe if that building is sold to another client five years later, they have all that information. They, they don't have to go in and say, I want to take this wall out. Is that going to affect the structural integrity of my building? Same thing with airplanes, which is really important. It's an area that's heavily governed by different regulations. You need a digital record of what's been changed on the airplane and the maintenance record of everything there. And so there's a digital twin that follows each individual airplane through its lifespan. That's one kind of way the digital twin is being used in industry. On top of that, we can actually overlay additional like real-time information. So if we have a factory that's producing widgets, each of those machines may have a certain amount of hours that they're able to manufacture parts, machine parts. They may wear out and need to be replaced. There's sensors within those machines, temperature sensors and vibration sensors. We can collect all that real-time information and make intelligent decisions around them. We can predict when maybe a, a part or a machine is going to fail. And that allows us to do preventive maintenance, knowing that this is close to failure. We've seen this type of behavior before. Let's bring the machine down for maintenance tonight instead of next week when we have a big job we have to deliver on. It allows us to ensure uptime as opposed to something breaking and having to scramble to try to fix that with deadlines. This is really interesting. IoT, kind of these sensors and, and being able to move bits of information around is also interesting. We see art installations that have proximity sensors and kind of at a very, again, a very low cost, interact with the world around them. So it could be interacting with the environment in terms of like light and temperature, or as people approach it, being able to kind of interact with these objects because they're now smart. They have these devices embedded in them. Our website is techsoft3d.com. We do have a virtual event coming up on March 9th. We have a developer day that we're hosting virtually. It's free to attend. We're inviting people from our community to present and to connect. And, and that's part of our playbook here at TechSoft3D. I'm primarily a LinkedIn user. So you can find me, Jonathan Jerwa on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening to Art Is, a podcast for artists. This episode, I'd like to thank Jonathan Jerwa from TechSoft3D for sharing his technical knowledge and interesting ideas with us. Stay tuned to hear part two of our conversation about innovation adoption and online community building coming later on in season three. Also, I would love it if you took a moment to reflect on who in your life might also benefit from listening to this podcast. When you do, please share Art Is a Podcast for Artists with them. 
so we can continue to grow the show organically and brainstorm the future of the art world together. You can also support the work I do by subscribing wherever you listen and by donating to the podcast. The link to do so is in the episode description. Okay, that's it for now. Thanks so much, and see you next Wednesday.